Hi everyone and welcome back to another Parliamental. Now it's been a month since we last talked, but it has been a busy one. Yeah, kind of. Kind of, yeah, <laughs> just a wee bit, you know. But we're back in Anne's flat, but there's something, there's something different. I don't know, I don't know what it is. Oh, I've gone all upmarket and got a table instead of an iron board. Yep. <laughs> Parliamental has now what we call in the business production values. <laughs> I've got an actual table. I'm sorry. I know, we went upmarket, but there's also something else different. It's like, a different MSP or something. Oh, yes. So what else is happening? Vote SMP, vote Ivan McKee. Yes, we'll come to that in a second. But Anne, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm really good. Um, yes, it's been a great few weeks and lots done, very productive, lots of good results for things. And uh, yeah, looking forward to the next couple of months. Cool. Well, since this is the first parliamental back after all the stuff that's been happening, I thought we'd have a wee chat. Then I'll listen to an interview we had with Ivan McKee, MSP, and then we'll come back for some chat at the end. So, let's go parliamental. Right, and let's wind back to the recent campaign for Ivan. So, first off, what's your thoughts? Yay! <laughs> Good thoughts. Yes, positive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm terrible. I, I'm really cautious about um, predicting results, and I know what I think in my mind, but I can't say it in case I jinx it. Mm-hmm. And um, this was always one of the most difficult seats to win, although I do believe that yet again we managed to get the highest swing on the night. Yes, definitely. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm really cautious about these things, but I'm so glad... I'm always glad when an SNP person wins, but I'm particularly glad that Ivan has won. I think together we can do really, really good things for this area, and I think he's going to be quite a brilliant MSP. What do you think of like Ivan's kind of qualities in that he's going to bring to this area? Because, like you said, he's 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 got a, he's got a history that's very interesting. He's he's done a lot in the kind of independence movement as well, kind of talking about his belief in independence. So, what do you think Ivan's going to do for? The Proven area. I think the most significant thing he's going to do is, you know, his background is in creating employment, creating employment as a businessman, which he did successfully in various different countries in Europe. And him and I have talked about this, um, about, you know, where my strengths are, which is community development, that sort of thing. And his strengths lie in that sort of job creation thing. And we're going to pull our, pull our skills and our strengths and, uh, and support each other to, to do both things. So I think his key thing will be about employment in the area. And um, and we're really going to be at working very, very proactively in turning around the employment prospects of this constituency. I think it is a, g- a great combination for MP and MSP there. Like mm-hmm. you're saying, you've got a huge amount of experience in community activism and, and empowerment and kind of fighting for people's rights. And Ivan's got a, a more kind of business-oriented background. So I think as a double dunter, that's going to yeah. be great for this area. Yeah, it couldn't have worked out better, to be honest. Um, I didn't, I mean, I didn't know Ivan particularly well. I knew him from the Yes campaign, from being one of the leading lights in business for Scotland and, which is an organization I had previously worked for in a previous life. And, um, and I'd seen his, uh, speech that he made on the economics of independence, the one that got tens of thousands of hits on YouTube. Um, and I was really impressed with him, but I didn't know him particularly well. Although, funnily enough, I'd gone to one of the Business for Scotland meetings and asked him a question. And my question was, he seemed quite passionate about the living wage and, you know, and upping people's incomes. And I said, but you're a businessman. You've employed hundreds of people. 
how is it in your interests to um, up people's wages? Because surely that eats into your profits. And the response that he gave me was tremendous and extremely convincing. And I thought, right, you're my kind of you're my kind of guy. And I'm so pleased that this area has got him fighting for them, and he will fight. He's he's strong. He's determined. He's tenacious. Yeah, he's everything that you would want in a in, in an MSP. Sounds brilliant. What was your personal highlight for the campaign? Because obviously it was Ivan's campaign, but you know you you weren't far away from it. You were kind of working every every minute of the day as well when you weren't at Westminster to kind of help Ivan. So what what was kind of your experience of that campaign? Oh, it was great. I mean, it was really strange for me because normally, and I've been in the SNP twenty eight years, so normally I'm at the heart of the campaign, organising it, managing it, making decisions, and. Um, it wasn't possible this time because I was in London so much. So from London, I would be phoning around members, asking them to come out and campaign. I grabbed hold of Alex Salmond and Stuart Hosey and persuaded them to come in and, and kind of give the campaign a wee bit of oomph. And, a bit of uh, but yeah, <laughs> and they, and they did. They both fell for it. No, it was great. They did. They came in and they were really helpful. Um, but when I was here, uh, Ivan and I uh, spent several days going around local businesses, speaking to them, introducing. I was introducing Ivan, just letting them know how to contact both of us once he was elected if he was elected and how to contact me in the meantime and just saying hello. And that was really good because you really learn a lot by going around local businesses. I mean, a lot of the local businesses are owned by people who live locally. Most are not, but so some of them have got a variety of experiences that they pass on to you. And the other important thing to remember is that those people are speaking to customers day in, day out. So it's really useful to have them understanding what you're trying to achieve. So that and just, you know, in the last few weeks, I just sort of organised um, street stalls and making sure we were right around the constituency and being seen, but still getting the work out as well. So that was the sort of role I played in the last few weeks. But it was a great campaign. And I was really quite intrigued to see how I would cope with uh, not being right at the centre of it and I coped fine it was really nice actually <laughs> and that's it I mean it wasn't like you were um you were short of things to do like anytime anytime I saw you in the campaign you had a million things in your head and you were you're juggling lots of stuff so even though that you weren't the centre of it I mean you might as well be in the mental workshop you know? oh thank you well I mean it was it was important important to me because I'm you know I'm really passionate about making changes in this area um, because I think it's been largely neglected for far too long. Um, so it was important to me for this area, but it was important to me, you know, that we get an SNP government. But, you know, from my point of view, I can do so much more as an MP for Glasgow North East with you know, uh, Ivan McKee elected in Proven and also I was involved in Bob Doris's campaign in Maryhill Springburn. And now, joy of joys, the MP for that area has got to first past the post MSPs and it will make a significant difference to what we can achieve in this area. Mm. Yeah, so, I mean, especially now that it used to be, um, I think I mentioned this with Ivan, it used to be a Labour heartland um, and now it's, now it's not, which is amazing. And it wasn't that long ago. I mean, I would say that, I mean, I stood uh, in the seat that I even now represent. So I stood in Proven in 2011 and uh, Paul Martin beat me by 2,000 votes. Well, that in itself was incredible to get him down to 2,000 votes. But it didn't feel that incredible that night because half of the Glasgow seats fell to the SNP, but this didn't. 
So I would still have described this as a labour heartland until just over a year ago. And see when the big test is the Westminster elections, quite often people will vote SNP in the Scottish Parliament elections, but not in the Westminster elections. You saw that happening, the, the, the last but one general yep. election. And this time, I just thought, right, okay, but even then, I'm still cautious. I thought, great, we won Westminster, fantastic. But maybe they were just doing that to teach Labour a lesson and maybe they'll go back to Labour now, but they didn't. And I'm so happy and I'm so grateful, really, really grateful. And the other thing I'll tell you is when I was at the count watching the votes, you know, they were, we were doing the ballot box sampling. So we look and we mark down every time we see an SNP vote, every time we see a Labour vote. And that gives us a lot of detailed information that I won't go into, but it was very clear. It was SNP, 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 Labour, SNP, SNP, Labour, Labour, SNP. And, and I felt quite, I was really quite emotional and I thought, you know, I hear politicians saying all the time how honoured they feel and it sounds really glib, but I felt so honoured, honestly, just thinking people, yes, they believe in us, they believe that we're going to do something for them and every single one that came through uh, when they were turning these votes over, I just thought, thank you so much. And I still think that, and yeah, um, we've start, we've got started already. Uh, um, Ivan and I are working very closely together, but I'm just really looking forward to the next few years and seeing what we can achieve. It also means the SNP have built up a network now of you've got local representation kind of all going towards the SNP, so you guys can then can have a multiplier effect. We help each other, yeah. influence each other, work as a team and stuff. So yeah, yeah team SNP team all SNP. the way. Good thanks for Proven coming ahead. But anyway, I think we should go and listen to the interview I had with Ivan about a week ago. Just kind of catching up with him, seeing how he felt after the election and how his first couple of weeks in the job were. So let's listen to Ivan. I'm here with Ivan McKee. Hi, Ivan. Hi, Jerry. How are you doing? I'm all right. Do you want to describe to the listeners where we are just now? Yeah, we're actually in what was the campaign rooms in Cumbernauld Road and hopefully what will become the constituency office if we get everything signed off with a landlord. And that's uh, that's the plan. Yeah, there's definitely a kind of end of campaign vibe to it. There's a lot of kind of badges lying about, an empty or crisp packet. You know, there's a kind of detritus of the campaign that's lying here. Yeah, that's right. It's the tail end of everything that happened for a busy six months. And the place is uh, needing a good old clean-up, for sure. So you were recently elected the MSP for Glasgow Province. Congratulations. Thank you very much. What was it like in the night of the count? Yeah, well, um, tiring, I think, is probably the best word. The thing dragged on and we didn't get a declaration until after five o'clock in the morning. So that was, um, and given uh, we'd been working hard since six o'clock the previous morning, it was a, a long, long day. But no, it was wonderful to get the result. I think that the uh, the team that worked on the day, with nearly 100 people out working for us on the day, which was fabulous. All kinds of people came along to help. We covered the whole constituency. We worked very hard to get the vote out. And it was um, it was a relief to see we got the result. I mean, you, you, I was uh, fairly confident we'd done all right, but it's always a, rel- a relief just to see that all the team's hard work had, uh, had paid off. Yeah, no matter how excited you are at five in the morning after working your backside off for like three months, it must relief's probably the word for it. <laughs> like, yeah, finally, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. And when you're doing it, is it true you can see like the the stack of the votes as they're coming in, they're like bundles of votes, so you get a kind of feeling how things are going. You do, you do, yeah. Um, and um, if you know what you're looking for, and our agent Graham kind of told us what to look for, so we were fairly clued up and had a reasonably good idea fairly early on how the result has went. But you you need to wait for the final final confirmation of it from the returning officer. So what did you do then? So you've been you've been told you're the MSP, 
Did you just go to bed? Is that what you did? No, we went for a drink. <laughs> <laughs> we had um, some of the folks that didn't get to the count were in, um, had, they had booked a venue and we went along there for a couple of drinks and I got home about eight o'clock in the morning, a few hours sleep and then uh, woke up to check that I had some, um, I actually had a, a text message when I woke up from SNP telling me to get myself along to the Kelpies <laughs> on Saturday morning. So that was the first uh, first thing I had to do. And a message from the Parliament. Um, just wanted to have a word with me about setting up uh, arrangements for my induction the following week. So that was all, all good. And they've been pretty well organised at making sure us newbies know what uh, know what's what and getting us settled in. So what was the first thing that you got set up then? So you know you're going to the Kelpies and you're starting to get messages from Parliament for your new job basically telling you yeah, to, yeah. to come in. So how does that how does that process work? Well it's all about kinda um the, the, over the weekend it, it was a bit kinda ad hoc and it's still settling in. But I went along on uh, on Monday and uh, it was great. I was very impressed. The um as we turned up uh, each of the new MSPs came in and there was a, a whole line of members of staff there and you get the next member of staff off the, the, the off the queue and they were basically your um, person that was going to look after you, make sure that all the other departments you were coordinated with them, took you around, introduced it to everybody and they're your reference point if you had any problems through your induction or beyond they are, dare I say it, your named person. So um, <laughs> the process worked pretty well, and I've got this guy, Andy, who kind of looks after me. I've hit a roadblock, and uh, nice. I just call Andy, and, and he fixes it for does me. Does Andy work with you now for the rest of the term, or are they there as kind of transitional? Seems to you? be, yeah. I mean, he's at the end of an email. If I need him, um, hopefully I'll need him less and less <laughs> as I find out where things are, but certainly if I get stuck with something, he's the guy that points me in the right direction. So you've been in the Parliament, obviously. I've been on the yeah. tour of the Parliament. I've not kind of been behind the scenes. Yeah. So do you get taken in a different door? Like, how does that work? Well, yeah, there is actually. Um, there's a different door you go in where you use your wee, um, your wee badge to get mm -hmm. you in the, in the door, etc. And then there's obviously different parts of the parliament where the offices are, etc. That only um, MSPs and authorised people can get into. But the thing about the parliament is, of course, that it's um, the way it's been designed. It's not like your bog standard office block. Mm -hmm. So it's extremely easy to get very, very lost. Um, and it does take you several days to kind of figure out how to get from A to B to C um, because nothing's in a straight line, nothing's what it seems, all the buildings are on different levels, everything's kind of higgledy-piggledy, so it does take a wee bit of getting used to. Must feel a bit kind of emasculating, you're sitting there with the new MSP and you're probably like in a corridor somewhere wondering how the hell to get out. I, absolutely, yeah, but fairly staff are great at the spot you and being lost and pointing in the do, right direction. Do you style it out? Do you try and look like you're, I know where I'm going, I'm just having a wee wander. Up to um, a point, but eventually they, they kind of suss out you know where you're going and kind of look after you, so it's good. But to be fair, I've been trying to get back to the constituency as much as possible. So I've um, been going through Edinburgh in the morning, coming back at night, and only going through on days where there's something in the Parliament to do. So um, I've been trying to spend, as I say, as many days... Um, in the constituency, meeting groups, meeting constituents and coming back here in the evenings to spend time going to community council meetings and this kind of thing as well, which is obviously very, very important. Yeah, I mean, it's an advantage of Proven that we're actually fairly close to Edinburgh in the big scheme of things. We're not, it's not a Highlands and Islands constituency. You can you can work here, you can spend your time here, but commute to Edinburgh rather than the Absolutely, way absolutely. You can get back and forward. Even with the trains being difficult at the moment, it's still pretty straightforward to get to get there and back. Um, and yeah, so so far that routine's working out not too bad. Have you been given an office yet in the Parliament? Have you yeah, we did get an office. I got an office in the first few days. Um, then we were told all the offices might be moving, but then I get told that I wasn't moving and I was one of the lucky ones that was staying in the office I was given in the first place. So that all kind of works. So that's good. Um, 
and looking at getting some staff in place, getting systems set up to deal with uh, constituents' case uh, work, etc., um, and getting the IT working, etc. So we're kind of gradually getting there. And apologies to any constituents that I have contacted. Maybe there's been a delay in getting back to you, but um, we're just kind of working through that process and we'll be on top of it pretty quickly, I hope. Yeah, it's one of the interesting things that people... Um, see, you know, an MSP or whatever, you're, you're there in a position of authority, but it's still a new job. You still need to get used to all the systems. You need yeah. to get access to all these things to, to make it work. So you're still, you're, you still need to try to figure out where the printer is, basically. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, um, it, it, things take a bit of time at the start and you're getting a lot of emails from all kinds of people and trying to figure out what you need to, how you need to respond to them all. But as I say, it'll get, uh, it'll get easier over the next, uh, the next few weeks. I think we'll be settled in pretty well by the time we get to, uh, the summer and let's let's rewind back before the election sure. so when you decided to become a candidate like what was it that made you want to stand as an msp like what was it that kind of drove you to think i want to get involved here and i want to make a difference well yeah it was one of these things i mean i'd been obviously working in business for a number of years um and when the referendum came along i had a look at that and um decided that a yes vote made a lot of sense from a business economics point of view and then I gradually got involved, and before I knew it, I was, I was heavily involved in a lot of different things in the campaign. And when I got to the end of the campaign, I sat down and had to think about things, and clearly at that stage, a lot of people were joining the SNP. I hadn't joined before then. Um, I decided to join a few weeks after the referendum, and then I decided that um, I would put my uh, hat in the ring to see if I could become a candidate. It was one of these things where I thought I had something to offer. I thought that I could make a difference and contribute and um, um and I thought that now was the time to do it mm-hmm. because of the, the situation we're in. It's been um, different and interesting, <laughs> but I haven't um, regretted it at all. I'm, I'm delighted I did it, and I think um, I still very much believe I can make, make a difference as I get settled into this job. It must be such a big change of life for anybody, no matter which job you come from, what your kind of previous experience was, to go into to become an MSP, become a public figure. I know you used to do a lot, of, you've done a lot of talks and stuff before, mm-hmm. so you're a kind of semi-public figure mm-hmm. anyway, but now you're sort of, you're you're potentially fresh meat for the new Ah, yeah, you're, you're, under, um, you're under fire in line. I've had one or two run-ins already, I think we've, um, we've dealt with them fairly well, mm-hmm. and we wait to see what... Um, what they want to do next, but um, sure, that's those guys' jobs is to is yeah. to um, kind of poke about and, and find things that they can put in their papers, and um, they've got a job to do, hold people account. In terms of your campaign, I mean, you were elected with um, quite a comfortable majority. Say that, yeah, yeah, not as big as some of them, but um, it was. If you look back now, um, obviously, um, my predecessor had a majority of about two thousand. We ended up with a majority of close on five thousand. So in those terms, it's mm-hmm. it's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, in terms of this, this place is seen as part of kind of Labour heartland historically, anyway. Yeah. So for for a Labour to have a two thousand majority in the SNP, you having a five thousand majority, that's pretty sizable. It is, yeah, it is, and I think um, we saw that through the general election campaign and through the Scottish Parliament campaign. An awful lot of people have now made that move to the SNP that were lifelong Labour voters and it doesn't look like they're going back. They're settled in as SNP voters. We've got to deliver for them, obviously, locally and nationally and we don't um, lose the focus on that for a minute. But I think people have made that psychological change that they now see themselves as SNP voters. Yeah, I think it's quite healthy that ultimately people see themselves as SNP voters, but if they've broken a lifetime of voting for one party... I think maybe the electorate now is more comfortable with seeing other people's point of views. So in some ways it'll make the challenge the SNP's got 
harder for themselves because they've broken that link to yeah. like historical voting. So now you guys are gonna, always going to have to fight for the votes, which is ultimately quite healthy. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's the way it should be. Yeah. So your campaign was obviously really successful, but was there anything in the campaign that surprised you? Kind of took you back? Was there, was there anything that kind of stood out in the campaign? Well, I think so. I think that um, we set up the organisation of the campaign early on to give as much responsibility to people that, that wanted to step up and, and take responsibility for parts of it. We divided the constituency up into different areas with different people that looked after different parts of it. Different people were given different jobs to do. And the thing that really, really amazed me was the um, the way that many, many people stepped up to the plate and took responsibility and executed extremely well on what we asked them to do above and beyond my expectations it was quite remarkable to the point where the thing was running itself and um, we just kind of let people get on with it and they really really delivered so that that was absolutely fabulous um, and um, it just shows you what, what happens when you give people responsibility and let them go on with it yeah, I mean, we saw a real sense of community. Again, I'm, I'm part of your mm. branch here. Yeah. But, um, um, so I've seen a real sense of community in a lot of people. I mean, this room that we're in now that's kind of mm. full of badges and your laptop and these microphones <laughs> um, is all, always heaving with folk yeah. who are kind of or, out organising, out leafleting, etc. Mm. So it must be really good for you to see that, to see people got behind your campaign. Oh, it was great. It was um, it was um, quite humbling in a lot of ways. I mean, the kind of they're, they're, they're rocking up to do that to get me elected. And it was um, inspirational. Mm. Is there any kind of highlight for you then? Any particular moment that stood out that maybe you thought you went from being quietly confident to quite confident that you didn't let on about? Yeah, I think as we were getting in the last week or so and we were still getting very good results from the doors and we hadn't really seen any um, any um, evidence of, of much happening from uh, from the Labour campaign, it kind of allowed myself to think, you know what, I think we're going to do this. Um, and to be fair, the, the result we got was very, very much in line with the results we'd been seen on the doors. Uh, the percentages we'd been seen on the doors right through the campaign. So um, we, we, we steered the thing in and, and, and did what we had to and, and got the result on the day. Now that you're in post, what are your plans for Proven in this constituency? You're saying you're trying to spend more time here than you sure. are in the Parliament. So how are you going to approach this? Yeah, and what I've been doing so far, I've been through the Parliament um, a number of days. We've had our training there. I'm looking at getting my staff in place, getting the office set up. I um, obviously had the, the swearing in, which we all did um, last week as well. Um, and I should have my maiden speech, which may be coming up this week, depending on how things are scheduled in the Parliament. So I've got that to prepare for. But most of my time actually has been back in the constituency. As I said, I've had a number of constituents contacting me with issues that they want help with. And we're, um, I'm working through those and getting people to help me when I can with different areas of expertise to, to deal with those. I've taken time out to meet quite a number of local organisations, obviously met quite a few during the campaign, but I've been adding to that. I mean, today I've been down to see uh, Kelvin College, I've been to see Citizens Advice, I've been to see um, Housing Association in, in Bluff Tomac out in Easterhouse, um, I've been to Wellhouse, they had an event on this afternoon that I went along to. So every day I'm, that I'm not in the Parliament, I'm trying to cram in um, several meetings with local constituency uh, community groups and also with businesses because that's a big focus for me as well. I've met a couple of businesses in Queensland already and we're lining up to go and see as many of those businesses as we can to understand what um, their plans are, what help they need to expand and, and create uh, opportunities for people in the constituency. Um, and how do you think you'll work with Anne, who's obviously the MP, so you mm. two are in different parliaments but for the same area, um, are you two get any kind of joint work planned? Or I mean, I, I suppose you will work jointly together anyway to help the constituency. But absolutely, think- yeah. I mean, we've spent a lot, of, a lot of time talking to Anne when she's back from Westminster, um, and talking to Anne's staff have been very supportive as well. Um, 
and also with the, the local councillors, to be fair. I mean, um, uh, Russell Roberts and Jerry Boyle have done a, a power of work to, um, to help me get settled in uh, and support in all kinds of ways. And, I mean, one example that I've been working with with Anne's team is Anne's team ran this jobs fair in Rukhese, uh last week which I couldn't make because I was in the Parliament, but a debrief from them on, on Friday. Uh, it's gone very, very well, and that's something that, working along with Anne's team, I think we want to replicate that throughout the whole constituency. So there's quite a few areas where we've got a lot of cooperation, and it's important we stay tight um, and work with each other that we're delivering the best for our constituents. Mm-hmm. And like you're saying, there's, there's kind of mutual support on the go, because now the SNP has... Um, MSP, MP, and probably an increasing foothold in the council elections. Anyway, that you guys have, you guys can help each other and cover each other's uh, patches as well when needed. Absolutely, it's um, it's a lot of kind of resource, a lot of firepower if you like to bring to bear on issues um, to help uh, in the constituency. So it's important we get coordinated and make sure we're all pointing in the same direction and working with each other to uh, to make that as effective as possible. And I can really see that been been great as we move forward. As you say, we've got the council elections next year. Hopefully, we'll get another crop of SNP councillors locally working hard on issues and I think there's an awful lot we can do. Well, how do you see the next few months going for you? Have you got any kind of big plans for it? Have you got any sort of big things on the horizon you want to do? Well, I think that um, the, the first thing, as I say, get get everything set up so that I can deal with the, the, the case uh, work we've got coming in from constituents. Getting around businesses, as I mentioned, is very important for me and getting around as many community groups so we've got established links there. And then, as I say, I think moving on and looking at these jobs fairs, how we can roll those out over the next few months. Um, and I also had um, a programme last year, a kind of summer roadshow of getting around the constituency and running surgeries at different events that were on through the summer. So I think we want to replicate something like that as well to get, get out and about and get our surgery regime set up so that people know how to how to get in touch with us. Um, so quite a number of things that uh, on the agenda for, for the summer. Of course, the Parliament doesn't do as much during July and August and that, then it'll put us in, in good position when we get back in September I'll have uh, uh, been place with everything set up to to um, get involved in the, the different work that's going to go on in the Parliament which will involve committee work uh, and all kinds of things so um, do, you have any, do you have any indication about any committees stuff you're involved in? Or? Nothing been indicated yet as such but clearly I'm, I'm um, hopeful that I'll get involved in finance economy committees would be my main areas of interest um, and also a lot of stuff around about um, communities which is basically covers the social security, housing, a lot of issues that are also, that are also very important to people in, uh, across province so I'd want to be involved in as much of that as, uh, as possible in the parliament Well that's great Ivan, thanks for your time Thanks very much Jerry. Cheers So that was an interview with Ivan, but Anne, let's talk about your job now. We've found that Ivan's successes, it's been great for Ivan, but let's talk about your day job because you've had a lot on recently. You asked a question about the benefits cap to the Secretary of State for Work and Pension, Stephen Crabb, and whether the cap would also be accepted by landlords through lower rents. I think that was an interesting point you made about, okay, if you're reducing, if you're having reducing income in some ways for some people, like how's that going to, how's that going to be accepted further down the line? So, I mean, I thought it was a fairly tongue in cheek question. Yeah. Well, I wasn't really expecting much of a response from him and I didn't get much of a response, but it really, it really angers me. I mean, it is going to mainly affect 
uh, people in the south of England, but it affects some of my constituents. Um, one of my constituents, well, he's now back working, so that's fine, but he's got nine children. Him and his wife have nine children. They made that decision when they were both working. They wanted a big family. They've got a big family. It's a fantastic family. I've met most of them. Still more to meet. Um, <laughs> but then he became ill and she also became ill and they were receiving benefits. And then their benefits got cut by something like £300 a month because of the £26,000 a year cap. Um, and, you know, when you're living on the minimum required to take you just above the poverty level, and they cut it by 3000 not because you don't need it, but because they've just come up with this arbitrary figure, then it has a devastating impact, and they really suffered because of that. Thankfully, he's back on his feet and he's working. But now, anybody in that position, the cut, the cut is going down to twenty thousand. Again, another arbitrary figure. It's twenty or twenty-one thousand, um, and it's not going to. You know, people like in London, for instance, the rents are extortionate. So what's going to happen is folk living in London who are paying extortionate rents, who find themselves out of work, who claim housing benefit, and discover that. Most of that capped amount is taken up by housing benefit. They'll have pennies to live on. They won't be able to do it and they'll have to leave London, their home. People will be, you know, so I just, I wasn't really specifically raising the issue for Londoners. I was just raising a point of principle that it's, you know, is it about who's going to suffer from this? Is it the landlords who are going to have to charge lower rents? No. Is it the children who are going to be left with whatever's left over after the rent's paid? Yeah, of course it is. And in many ways, it seems like it's also designed in London anyway to help property developers because you're kind of forcing people out. Yeah. If the property developers themselves are to force people out, they've been outcry. But yeah. if it just so happens that it's the secondary effect yeah. of a benefit cut, yeah. then suddenly those tower blocks are empty and those tower blocks mm. then are available for redevelopment. I know. Sinister, isn't it? It's really Yeah, it's kind of horrible. Um, but again, it's one of those things because it's articulated as a benefits cap, people then compare it to their own wages. So it kind of, I know. It kind of, um, plays to, plays to the darker instincts of some people, mm. you know, where they think like that's running 26,000 pounds. But actually what that means and why those people mm. maybe deserve that 26,000 pounds or why they need it to survive isn't, is forgotten about because it's yeah. seen as like a salary number yeah. so it's a really devious way of, of, of making people support it or tacitly support it at least but also people when they're looking at their own salary and thinking well hang on a minute I earn X amount and that's less than that well do you have nine children no you've got two children or whatever do you have, do you have tax credits oh yeah we'll add that on to your yeah. actual overall mm-hmm. income um, but yeah but it's just the fact that it's just this arbitrary figure it's fine to have a figure for, and we do have a figure for how much you need per child so that that child is not living in poverty. I would say they still are, even when they're on that figure, but this is cutting it even further. Now, those children don't choose to have lots of brothers and sisters. Um, I would argue that people have the right if they can afford it, and lots of people can afford it, and then they end up in a situation when they can't. But it's not the children who make those choices, but those children suffer. And the parents can do nothing about it. So many Tory policies are so wrong-headed that they, they seem um, dug in on a mm. point of principle that sounds like really hard-nosed and, and maybe can get some support. But actually, the next step is that if those children are brought up in poverty, even if you're a hard-nosed person who's behind this, those children brought up in poverty are going to be more likely to be ill. Mm-hmm. They're going to be more likely yeah. to have troubled lives, maybe mm. get involved in crime. And all you're doing is you're, you're just giving yourself a further problem down the line I know. for the sake of three grand now. 
So if they don't see the moral argument, and the Tories' morals rarely chime with my morals, um, or many people I know, but if they don't see the moral argument, at least see the economic argument. But the problem with governments is that they often only see short term because it's about them getting yeah, into power again cycle, next yeah. time. Yeah, And I don't know what you do about that. I understand... You know, because of the media that we've got, not just the media, but because of the media that we've got who will report if, you know, you're putting, you're investing long term in something, um, and it's costing more initially, but in the long run, it's going to cost the country less. The, the media will insist on reporting the headlines, the negative headlines about how much you're spending now and how you don't have those results right away. Um, so I understand it must be difficult not to fall into that trap, but you've got to be bold and you've got to say, look, and I think people understand if you say, look, we're investing in the long term here. And in actual fact, if we don't support these children, if we don't, you know, make sure they're well fed and well clothed and well educated, Further down the line, as you say, we'll have all these other problems and we'll need to pay for all those other problems. A good part of that, I think, is um, the PPI-funded schools at the minute, which, again, <laughs> were, bought, were bought kind of cheap now, mm-hmm. HP, cheap now, mm-hmm. pay later. And actually now we're so far down the line that we're paying for it later, but the responsibility and stuff hasn't been attributed. It's just seen as this, this naturally, like it's an earthquake, like it's a naturally occurring problem. But yeah. actually these people knew this was, well, they didn't know the building was going to fall down, but they knew that this was a ticking time bomb from a yeah. financial point of view. Yeah. But it got waved through because it wasn't on the books for the first five or ten years. Yeah. And they were well warned. And I mean, they've, so the Labour administration that was in power in the Scottish Parliament, or was it Labour lived out? Anyway, uh, Previous administrations have left the current Scottish government with a massive, massive bills to pay. So, you know, sometimes when they're complaining, you can't keep using that argument, but it's still, the argument is still there, you know, that, that nowadays we would have more money now to spend on the things people want us to spend on and those opposition parties want us to spend the money on if they hadn't left us with this millstone around our necks. Now, I've seen a huge amount of activity on Facebook. I've seen graphics, I've seen videos, I've seen pictures of you holding various events around the constituency. So, Anne, like, what have you been up to? Oh, exhausting myself. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I can't help it. If somebody comes up with a good idea, if I come up with a good idea, I can never suppress the urge to do it. If it sounds good, let's do it. Um, However, I I wasn't actually doing the job fair by myself. The job Mm. fair was... uh, uh, one of the um, outcomes of the um, three-month internship um, that I had going, I had two internship programmes going, but I'll talk about this one. So I had um, Sean McLaughlin, who spells it wrong, Sean McLaughlin. <laughs> I keep telling him, but he won't listen. Um, and uh, Robin Hendry. Um, who job shared an internship, uh, we advertised it a number of months ago, got loads of great applications. Um, this came as a result of my six month on meeting. Six months after getting elected, I had a public meeting and we, we spent time in groups and in a sort of plenary session finding out what did people really want to improve this area. And one of the things they wanted was better employment prospects and more opportunities in that respect. So, this internship programme was a three-month project. We paid the living wage. We couldn't decide between Sean and Robin, so they agreed to job share, and it worked out brilliantly. So they've now completed, they've just completed it. They did a brilliant job. The job fair was one of the things that they did, but it was a really significant thing. And they did a great job. We had it in Rikese. 
We had it in Rikese because I feel that, you know, if you live somewhere like Rikese or smaller areas, you always have to go somewhere else to access these things. So you have to go into the city centre or you have to go to Easter House. Now, it might not seem that far away, Easter House. It's not that far away. The public transport's rotten. Sometimes the public transport just doesn't exist. But sometimes even when the public transport exists, say you've been unemployed for a long time, or even not that long, it doesn't take long before you can become really dispirited. The idea of having to get yourself out the house and go along to a job fair where you don't think you're really going to learn anything or you're going to get anything because that's happened to you before. Um, and just putting yourself out there sometimes is difficult. So we had it in Rikese so that for anybody in Rikese, it was just on the doorstep. And I wrote to every single person in the Glasgow northeast part of Rikese. But we put up posters elsewhere and everybody was welcome to come. And we got 80 people through the door. Wow. Uh, we had a lot of great organisations, lots of people talking about apprenticeships. Um, we, Yeah, it was a really good day. And I have to say, Sean and Robin did a fantastic job. I mean, they're both really young uh, Robin is from Milton, so she's from the constituency. Sean's from just outside in Somerston. The two of them did an amazing job, and if anybody would like to employ them, get in touch <laughs> with me and I will pass on the details because they did a brilliant job. And yesterday you had a community empowerment meeting. Do you want to go into a wee bit about that? Yeah, it was actually the launch of something I'm doing called Changing the Landscape. And it was about saying to people, you know, this is what you told me. So First of all, they told me that employment was really important for the area. The second thing was the number of open and green spaces that weren't being used properly, you know, waste ground and abandoned and derelict buildings, which people are sick of looking at, coupled with the lack of community facilities in some areas, and these buildings could be used to provide those community facilities. So um, I'm also, I've got a thing, a bee in my bonnet about the reputation of um, Glasgow North East and people looking down on the area when there's so much good going on. So I've got this thing that I've launched called Changing the Landscape, and we're looking at using the Community Empowerment Act and the Scottish Land Fund to empower communities. So I know we're going to talk a bit more about that in the next podcast, yep. but I'll just say thank you to St Rock's Juniors Football Club for hosting it and not charging us any money <laughs> um, and, and providing teas and coffees for everybody. Thanks so much to everybody that came, particularly there were loads of people came from Germiston, which is an area that really needs to be using the Community yep. Empowerment Act, um, and to the two interns that ran that. But I'll say a wee bit more about those guys, which were Rami and Gary, next time. But thank you to everybody that came along. And Bob Doris came along, the new MSP for Springburn mm -hmm. Mariel. Um, and we had a really good productive meeting. And yeah, I know we're going to talk about it more, but it was a great event. Well, I look forward to hearing more about it and maybe covering a wee bit in the next podcast. And what's coming up this week for you, Anne? Anything exciting? Oh, yeah, it's very exciting. I'm in Glasgow all week. That's the most exciting what? thing that's happened to me in ages. We appear to have a recess for a week. Um, so lots of meetings, lots of people to go and see, lots of constituents to catch up with. Um, but also uh, on Saturday, so that was Saturday the 4th of June, is it? Um, there's a thing in Robroyston Park in Bramalach called Sea in the Park. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've taken a stall there. It's on from one till four o'clock, I think. I've taken a stall there and um, myself, Ivan McKee, MSP, and Councillor Jerry Boyle will be holding an open air surgery. So we'll be doing an hour each at the surgery stall. So anybody 
just come along, say hello, just tell us who you are, have a chat. Or if you've got an issue that you want to be dealt with, we'll find a way of having a wee private chat with you and conducting the surgery. Sounds great. Bring sun cream or umbrellas? Sun cream, of course. Sun cream, definitely bring sun cream. Anyway, and that's us at the end of another episode of Parliamental. If you want to get in touch with the show, you can contact us on Twitter at Parliamental Pod, on Facebook, search for Parliamental, and if you want to get in touch with us via email at parliamentalpodcast at gmail.com. Again, subscribe to us on iTunes and leave a review if you like the show. Anne and I will return in a fortnight with another episode, so thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Bye.